Folks, if you're liking what you're getting from 30MPC, the number one way you can support us is by subscribing to our newsletter. Every week, you only get two emails. On Monday, you get a content roll-up of everything that dropped last week. And on Fridays, I pick one topic and I personally write a deep dive on things like how to cold call, how to run a discovery call, or even how to hire an AE. So if you're liking what you're getting here, take two seconds, go to the show notes. You'll see a button to subscribe to our newsletter, or you can go to 30mpc.com backslash newsletter and do it there. We'll catch you soon. Cheers. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Farouk. I'm here with my co-host, Nick Skowski, and today we have a repeat with Adam Ochart of Gong, who just made President's Club, by the way. And Nick, why should people listen? This was the best show we've ever done about how to successfully manage a trial and turn that trial or proof of concept into a closed one deal. Three, two, one, pilot. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do, do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Woodpecker. When you're sending a sales email, you generally want to avoid putting punctuation in the subject line. If you've got an exclamation point, it makes it seem like you're shouting at them. Look at this amazing offer. And a question mark just smells salesy. So avoid punctuation. Now, if you want to steal my full sales cadence from my friends at Woodpecker, there's a link in the show notes for you to go get it and try it for free. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. Obsessive checking of your inbox is a total waste of time and brain power. Instead, commit to checking your inbox and responding to email at set times throughout the day. I'm a fan of Boomerang's pause inbox function to keep myself from getting distracted by my inbox. Now, we documented our best templates and tools to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang, and you can get that for free at the link in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration cheat code is brought to you by Pipedrive, which is a CRM built by sellers for sellers. The best way to drive your pipeline forward is to every single day, pull up a list of all of your open opportunities and look at each opportunity by stage and think, what can I do today that will increase my likelihood of winning this deal? That's how you keep your ops moving forward in between meetings that you have on the calendar. Now we documented five cheat codes that can help you cut your sales cycle in half with Pipedrive. There's a link in the show notes to steal them. Today's show is brought to you by Exactly Forecasting, which is a flexible sales forecasting solution that uses AI and data to help you call an accurate sales forecast. Gartner says over half of sales leaders don't have high confidence in their forecast. One way we recommend to improve your forecast is to align as a team on explicit attributes that must be true in order to deem a deal forecastable. That way your forecast will get clearer and the team will know where to focus efforts. We put together a forecasting 101 guide with our friends at Exactly. Get it for free in the show notes. All right, Adam, welcome to the show. We start every single episode with your top three actionable takeaways. Let's get your three. Yeah, I love just right thrown on the spot. The three things that I would love to highlight, things that I've had immense success with, I did do early in my, my sales career. Number one, and we're going to center these around running a POC and running a pilot, is number one, multi-threading. So the ability to get individuals single-threaded 
throughout the sales process typically starts with one blast email you send to everyone. And then the typical way we'd handle that is the reply all. Um, I opt against that. From that thread, we branch off into a ton of single threads and start a bunch of singular conversations, building champions. What's number two? Built just around building success criteria. I know that this is discussed often. I'm sure every sales leader is like, duh. But really honing in on what success criteria means for everyone, what an exit criteria looks like at the end of that pilot, right? People pilot to purchase, right? Not the test drive. So making sure that you're aligned there is really important. I think also letting the prospect define what that is without putting any ideas in their head, right? You don't want to make it harder for them than they already think and make sure that they, they define that. The third area is pretty straightforward and something I organically am good at, but finding something to talk about, right? Small talk correlates to, to much more familiarity and trust. And I think in today's world, it's it's funny, like you're all in my living room right now, right? Like it's, it's a different experience than it was before COVID. So making sure that someone's excited to talk to you uh, is really important. I go backwards by you know trying to do a little research on these individuals. It's a little bit creepy, a little bit stalkerish, but I look at their LinkedIn, get a feel for what they like as a person. I'm an athlete, right? I like the bike. If they're on Strava, I'll find them. Um, find anything you can about them to breach just a little bit of, of fun small talk to kick things off. Alrighty, so we got to dig into this POC thing. We haven't talked about it a ton, and so oftentimes, unless you're like Gong, where it's super easy to spin up a pilot. POCs can eat up engineering resources. And so you want to make sure that there's commitment. And so could you talk about first, at what point in your sales cycle are you saying now is the time to kick off the pilot? I think when you have the exit in line, like you already know what we need to do. And it's funny you say like in in Gong's world where it's easy to set up a pilot, it really is. But we run the gamut, right? There's instances where it's a little bit difficult from a tech perspective. And I'll lean more on that, right? A little bit more on the technical side. If you have a path to a pilot, a path to what a successful pilot looks like, and then you have exit criteria line, you have those three areas, all systems are a go. Anytime you do anything without those three, you run a risk of, like you said, burning resources. Adam, can you talk a little bit about how you marry discovery with the request for a pilot? Because I imagine you have people who show up and they're like, yeah, you know, I've used Gong before. I just want to do a pilot with my team and get this thing going. And I'm sure there's part of you that's like, yeah, I want to get that thing going, but you need to talk about the success criteria. So Somebody asked you that. How do you reply? How do you facilitate more discovery? It's a good question because it's legitimately something we run into. I think it starts actually with the upfront contract, right? How you're setting the expectation early on that it is our responsibility to have a successful pilot. And we cannot do that without truly understanding what's going to drive success for their business. When you can align on that, and I think that get them to understand that we're investing in this project together, and the idea is to make it successful, you have every right in the world to slow things down and say, hey, Maybe I missed the mark, but I don't feel like we have enough meat on the bone here, right? What are we missing? What are we solving for? I think it comes down to like equal business stature, right? You need to truly believe that your time is as valuable as theirs. And if you don't, you're just not going to be set up for success. You're going to let someone drive this, the cycle and you're just going to get steamrolled. And I say that because it's happened to me plenty of times. So could you give us a sense of when you're setting that expectation upfront, what does it sound like? Like literally, what are you saying in your upfront contract around what the expectations will be for the discovery today and then the eventual POC? I'm Sandler trained. So that's kind of like what I lean on a lot. I'm a huge, huge fan of using biggest concern during the agenda. So like an exact excerpt that I would probably say something along the lines of like, hey, Armand, my biggest concern, we can technically set this thing up really quickly. We can get your reps using it right away. But if we don't truly know what the success criteria is and how we can present this to your business in a meaningful way, at the end of this pilot, we don't have a path forward and nobody wins. So it won't take a lot of time, but if you and I can sit down and truly dig in and quantify what we need to prove out here, it's going to set us up for success down the road. So that's not like a fair use of our time before we dive into the technical setup. And then from that point on, you've gotten them to agree to it. 
I would love to understand, I know Gong is a specific type of business, but what are some of the success criteria that you're willing to agree to versus you say, no, 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 like we, we can't agree to that upfront? First of all, you bring up a good point, right? Part of that conversation is expectation setting. I think everyone wants a silver bullet. Nothing out there will deliver that, specifically during a POC, whether it's a week, two weeks, a month. Some people have upwards of three to six month POCs. So aligning expectations is huge. As I said earlier in my three actionable insights, one of the things is to let people predefine what that success criteria is. Reason being, typically people come in with really low expectations. The last thing you want to do is come in and like set their expectations really high with like, hey, we're going to move the sun and the stars for you. So number one, let them set it and see what that looks like. Then off of that, something that's actually really interesting that I noticed is oftentimes that's not aligned with what we talked about in discovery, right? So you can pull back and say, I'm a little bit confused. Your success criteria is rep adoption. Yet you're telling me that we need to show you and surface competitive intelligence in late stage deals, right? I feel like we should align those two. So from the discovery that we ran, we can guide their success criteria towards something that we know we can show, right? And that's the other part. The third thing I'd say is also they need to know that a POC is, is to give you a glimpse into the power of the platform. It's not to deliver what you'd get from a full deployment over the course of you know 12 to 24 months. So make sure that if they say, hey, we really need to execute on truly understanding the gaps between our A and B players in our instance, right? I'll tell them like, hey, I don't always show that to people, but what I, I show is leading indicators. And what you'll start to see is how this will eventually show you the full suite of what's happening on your sales floor. So number one, expectation setting is really important. Number two, making sure that we're aligned with the success criteria. And then number three, saying, hey, we have the end goal in mind, what we want to accomplish. Let's make sure that we can get you there by showing you just a glimpse of what it looks like and kind of a forecast of what's to come. Adam, I want to go back to Armand's very first question, which is about when do you actually go ahead and, and grant that POC? What do you do when someone's just like, yeah, I don't want to talk about success factors. I just kind of want to see how this thing works. Yeah. I mean, I think that we have the right to say no, uh, candidly. And I think that in that situation, pushing back is actually going to build someone's respect for you, right? Again, it comes down to like, hey, and that's why the, the biggest concern is so powerful, right? If you set that in, you can go back to that. Hey, Armand, like, Again, I mentioned this at the beginning of the call. My biggest concern was X, Y, Z. I've done this a ton of times. And I found that historically, not just myself, but across our entire team, if we are not aligned mutually, this isn't going to be successful, right? And, and I just, forgive me for being skeptical. I'm in sales, right? Like you can use language along those lines, but you really have to humble people and let them know like, hey, um, I need you to work with me here. And at that point, you should be a trusted advisor, right? We're going to kick off a POC. The hope is that they'll lean on you there. It does happen though, Nick, and you have to push back. So on some of your bigger deals, I'm curious, you're collecting pretty sensitive info. You're collecting customer calls and all of that stuff. And and do you ever find that a pilot can actually slow down a deal because it uh, triggers vendor review? Or have you found any tricky ways to get around the procurement process and not slow down a deal and make sure that a pilot actually accelerates the sales cycle? Yeah, I think that like from a data perspective, pilots increase our close rates. They do have longer cycles, but they're way more predictable, right? Because it's a sticky solution. So I'm willing to take that risk. Something I tell people all the time is I'm 100% focused on bringing on the right way, right? And that might mean it takes a little bit longer. That might mean we have a couple extra meetings. That's fine by me. I'm a huge fan of selling through a pilot because people truly know it's an investment that they're excited about. Um, I think sometimes communicating that to those people, again, adds a layer of trust. And people are more than willing to then take your lead and take a suggestion, right? In those instances, sometimes I'll just position like, hey, 
along with that, I think we can nail this in a week. I don't think we need to go to a week pilot or a three week pilot. So I think it allows you an opportunity to build trust because yeah, it takes a little longer. The truth is, Armand, we're going to have to go through that process eventually anyway. Adam, I want to talk about, we've gotten to the point where we've defined some exit criteria, some success criteria. You've gotten around Armand's procurement or data security issue. We're in the trial now, or we're in the POC now. What are some common pitfalls that you see other salespeople fall into when they're actually initiating and they're in the phase of potential customers using my thing? I think a few things come to mind. Number one, they focus on everyone in the POC. And and that can be overwhelming, right? We can run POCs with, in my world, right? North of 30, 40 people at times. I think the most important people to focus on are the power users and the non-users, right? Kind of forget about everyone in the middle. Something that I, I believe is someone that's not a believer in your solution that becomes converted in the POC has a ton more, more value to you as an individual than someone that's already a champion. So if you can convert two of the people at the bottom of the pack, that's extremely powerful because that'll communicate volumes to the DM. And the people at the top, they're your coaches. Like you need to tap into those people and say, hey, I love talking to power users. Can you talk me through how you use it? And you start to like build a little camaraderie. Hey, let me show you a couple of things you probably didn't know. And those people then will be kind of like your inside man, inside woman in terms of helping you out and navigating that cycle. So number one, like don't focus on everyone. Focus on the outliers, the top and the bottom. The second thing is, it's easy to get caught up in a pilot on executing the pilot and forget about all the other things. I had, so one of my rougher months, I went back and looked at the data and I was like, what is going on? My pilots were longer than anyone else's, had a lower conversion rate. I was talking about budget less frequently in, in a decision process. So I was so caught up in like making this pilot successful. I forgot that at the end of this, we got to make a business decision. We have to get CFO approval. We had to get through legal, got to get through security, right? The best people run all those details congruently with the pilot itself. So it's almost like two separate projects you're managing. So Adam, I want to dig into that a little bit more. My guess is when you set up the pilot, you got to integrate their stuff and you're probably starting with a demo of the pilot with their data, but then you're not just throwing it over the fence and just saying, all right, play with the thing. And then two weeks, I'll knock on your door and ask you to buy gong. So what are you doing after the pilot is in their hands to stay on top of it? Yeah, it's it's as many continuous meetings as possible, right? In our world, we are typically meeting with with as many individuals that are using it as possible, meeting with champions, say, hey, can you help me by, let's go into your instance, why don't you show me what you're looking at? And we can align what's going on with your success criteria, build the deck together. Again, it's it's so important to have that champion that's going to be there to guide with you. If not, yeah, you're not in control. You're not driving the car anymore. Adam, one of the things you were talking about in the prep call was soliciting feedback from the different folks who are actually involved in this and then rolling it up to your decision makers. Can you talk about what you're doing there? For sure. Yeah. I I think that whenever you build like the business case deck or the go, no go deck right around, Hey, this is why we should move forward after the POC. Something that I didn't do early that I'm doing now is, is putting testimonials from the end users themselves, right? People are investing in, in our solution so that their team is really excited about it. Right. And if the reps themselves aren't raving for it, it's just not going to be a success for us. So something I've done is gotten testimonials from the end users themselves, gotten the permission to use it and baked it into my slide deck. It literally, I feel like every single time I've done it, it's caught people by surprise. I'm like, oh, interesting. Cool. It's good to know that so-and-so feels that way. That's awesome. I mean, one of the things that I love that you're doing is you're like, you're trying to convert like the grumpiest person on the team so that by the time you get to the end of this thing, you're like, the VP of sales is like, man, Armand always shoots down everything and he never adopts new sales tech. And then he's like, wait a minute. 
Armand said he loved this thing and it's going to change his world. And it's like, it's kind of, it gives some credibility to, it's not just the happy go lucky Nick guy. Who's like, yeah, I love the thing. It's Armand said he liked it. You mentioned previously, you talked a little bit about setting concurrent next steps where at the same time as doing that trial, you're also doing the security review. And I'm wondering if you can talk about that a little bit, because I think that's, it's been really powerful for my sale. Yeah. I mean, part of that pilot setup, uh, prep is, is aligning on all of those meetings. And if I don't get all those meetings in the calendar beforehand, it's going to be a messy process. I'm going to chase my tail. So aligning on who's going to take point across all those is important, right? In my world, I'm typically selling to a sales leader. Who's going to own implementation? Who's going to own security? Who's going to own legal? Who's going to this? They're happy to pawn those things off. And then at the initial like launch of that pilot, it's like, hey, hey, Nick, uh, Tom put me in contact with you to help run through this legal review. Hey, Armand, Tom put me in contact with you. you know, it's like, you have these other things that are going. I track everything on a sheet that I share with the prospect that has all the dates and has all the deliverables. You can comment on those sheets if you're using a Google sheet. So it's a good like medium to communicate with people. That's on the other end. It's it's different from actual calls. And yeah, that's like a really, really powerful way that I've been able to drive those timelines. The last thing that I'll highlight as well, I don't do this enough, but when I do, it's always, always successful, is shared Slack channels. That's another medium that I use quite often. I'll reach out to someone and say like, Hey, your team's going to have a ton of questions and you're going to be the conduit in which they ask them. I can take the noise away from you and put everyone in a room together in a Slack channel. And on that, I can work with them directly. Something that's cool. If you have a shared Slack channel, everyone that's on it, you can DM. So now it's like, boom, now I have direct access to everyone where they're communicating, right? It's, it's really, it's a life hack. It's kind of a Trojan horse. That one is freaking money, dude. We do this with our customer success folks. And every single time we mention that our customers have a Slack channel with our folks and they don't have to go with this ticketing system or go through the email chain, that is huge. But I've never heard somebody use that inside of a sales cycle. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, it's great. I have some of them still from cycles I closed like months ago that are still open. And I ping them for like referrals all the time or like, hey, can you hop on a customer reference? Like, I don't want to get rid of these. They're like really powerful. So Adam, I want to ask about something that you mentioned way at the beginning with your actionable sales tactics. So you mentioned that you were using pilots to multi-thread your deals as well. And so could you walk us through what, what does that look like? How are you getting to other parts of the organization using a pilot? Yeah. So it starts with the trainings that we're running in the workshops, right? So I typically break it into three buckets. We're going to have like a manager exec training, right? We're going to talk from like the sales leadership team. We're going to have a, in our world, a collaborator training, which is people outside of the sales team that want access to our platform, typically like marketing product. Everyone wants to know what's happening. The third tier of that is going to be the rep training itself, right? So in those exact trainings themselves, I then follow up again with that post email saying, hey, here's a link to the call. Here are the main things we talked about. And that right there is like my gateway to everyone. So from there, I'll single thread all those people that I, I want to talk to. And I talked about personally going after the power users and the people that aren't there. So maybe the people super involved in that training session and maybe people that didn't say anything, didn't have their camera on, right? Hey, Armand, candidly, Gong's a super powerful tool for people in your role. I'm sure you're super busy, probably multitasking. But if you had any specific questions that you weren't comfortable asking, feel free to ping me and copy paste that and send that to everyone that I didn't hear from on that, right? I, all of these things just incrementally increase your chances of getting a champion and you kind of have to play that card. One of the things that I've been doing, Adam, is when I've got a big group on like one of those kickoff calls is my company uses WebEx. And I think Zoom, you can do the same thing. I'm privately messaging each person in the chat. 
So like I'm having my solutions consultant talk about our product and I'm actually trying to message each person while the thing's going on, especially if they're the ones who don't have their camera on because I want them to feel like I care and we're engaged. So that's one thing I've been doing to like draw people out. Yeah, I, I should do that. I sometimes poke fun at people that aren't saying anything or anything like, I should be like, Nick, appreciate the input. Anyone else? And like, Nick hasn't said a single word. His camera's off. And Nick always comes off like, oh, you son of a, yeah, dude, everything's good. Thank you. So Adam, let's say we've finally gotten through this POC. The Slack channels are popping off. You got this great rapport. One of the things that's tricky about your solution is there's not this big event that it's like, today, we need Gong right now. And so how do you actually drive these folks to make a decision and drive them to close? Yeah, it's funny. In terms of like linear timelines, there's no like line item to buy gong. We don't align the budget cycles in my business unit at least, right? I'm not selling to like the Fortune 500s. The pilot is genuinely the way that we can drive a timeline, right? We make it time bound, we align on success, and we're able to deliver on those specific metrics, right? We have a compelling business case. We have a ton of people that love the platform. So with that in mind, I mean, the reality is we do have rigor around how long these things can run and they do get shut off. And the dream state is to get to a point where someone says, we can't turn this off. We have to roll off into a partnership. And that's like leverage, right? Then we begin the negotiation. And that's when the fun part starts. It's not fun if you haven't run a successful pilot, you haven't built out the success criteria, right? Because at the end of the day, it comes down to like, hey, you asked me to deliver on these specific things, did I? You should be able to back it up if they say no. Well, hold on, hold on. Like, this is what we surface, right? X, Y, and Z. So yeah, so a mixture of knowing the business case you're trying to build, aligning with that success criteria, being able to present it, and then having the ability or the necessity to turn that pilot off. Like that is how we drive our timelines. You talked about how we actually drive this thing from a timeline standpoint, but you've mentioned this this slide deck a couple times too, and you're you're putting all this stuff together and building a larger business case and presenting it to the team. So my guess is you're not sending them 17 slides with all of your customers' logos on there. So what's actually going into that business case deck? It's going to essentially have a highlight of the things that we discussed that they wanted to see, a recap of what those things look like and how we're able to quantify them, right? A good instance is someone will ask us like from a competitive perspective, right? How many of our ops are being impacted truly? Because CRM isn't telling them that, right? We can sit down with them in a prep meeting and actually surface that within our UI. Leveraging that, getting permission to steal screenshots from those sessions is really powerful, including those in. I typically like to show people things they weren't expecting. We use BI tools around adoption. And candidly, like people use our platform. It's very, very rare that we don't have vast adoption and addiction across all of our users. So showing them what adoption looks like so they know that they're not buying shelfware. And then the kicker is if you can teach them one thing that they didn't know about their business that you learned during the POC, that's a grand slam because it gets the years going of like, holy crap, what else am I missing, right? And you can kind of highlight that. The final slide I typically include is what does the future hold, right? So what do things look like from here on out? What else can I expect? What is the intelligence going to look like? And then you, you have like your standard, like this is what our onboarding and our continuous support looks like. So those are kind of like the typical slides. So if I'm recalling them, it's essentially what you wanted to execute on, how you executed on it, typically user adoption, and then try to teach them one thing they weren't looking for. And then the post-sale process. It's typically like seven slides. So we talked about the success criteria. What if they had three things? and you did two of them really, really well, and one didn't necessarily meet what they were looking for, and maybe you have a reason behind that. I'm curious how you go into that conversation where you met some of what they were looking for, but not all of it. I would definitely lead with that, call that out first, and like take it out of their arsenal. Because you know that you have like these haymakers behind you with like number two and three, 
let's like, let's just muddle number one. Let's talk about how we could solve that in the future. And then let's get into the juicy stuff. So the number one thing you can't do, I think is like shy away from it because then someone will bring it up and it'll just bite you. So I think calling those things up front are extremely powerful. All right, Adam, this has been a masterclass on how to run and set up a successful pilot or trial. And I'm like itching to go out and try your Slack channel thing right now. So we're going to end with the final question and we've changed it since you were last on the show. The final question here is, and I'm going to make this specific to your trial stuff. What's one piece of sales dogma or belief that other salespeople have about trials that you think is complete crap and should be thrown in the trash? I think that building the business case is the most important thing. I personally believe building champions and building business cases are equal value. And candidly, I think people get deals pushed across the line, not business cases. So I probably lean heavily towards building a champion is the most important thing or an army of champions relative to the business case itself. Love it. Anything you want to plug before we hop off, Adam? Nope. Support local businesses. Go to Tia Margarita if you're in San Francisco. That's my my official sponsor. There you go. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you see Adam on the streets of SF, buy him a margarita and stick around for a 60-second recap coming up soon. Your top four takeaways from this episode with Adam Otart include, number one, you got to set up your exit criteria up front before you even touch the POC. Do not agree to something that you cannot accomplish. Number two, when you're asking for that exit criteria, let them set the expectations first. You might have something that is a much higher expectation, and then you might realize that their expectations are in the floor. So let them talk first. Number three, when you start that pilot, focus on your power users and focus on your non-users. If you can convert some of the non-users to users, that is 10 times more powerful than the person who was already your biggest fan. And then lastly, number four, Nick's favorite, the Slack channel. When you're working on a pilot, open up that Slack channel with one of your prospects. Get everybody in that pilot in your Slack channel. And This actionable competitive tactic from Clue is the trap question. Steer discovery toward the winning zone. If we're competing with a podcast that has no newsletter or webinar series, we might ask a trap question like, how do you figure out if those podcast listeners are making their way to your mailing list? And when you're in a head-to-head, there's no better way to prepare for your next competitive battle than with our trap questions and battle card templates from our friends at Clue. The link's in the show notes. Today's tactic to triple your connect rate is brought to you by RocketReach, who provides data that lets you reach out to the right person at the right account at the right time. Every time you're reaching out to an account, pull down the contacts again. Yes, I know it sucks, but the average tech tenure is two years, which means 50% of the workforce turns over every year. So look up the account, pull anyone who was hired, and scratch anyone who was left. And one way you can pull verified and accurate data is with RocketReach. So if you like this, check out their toolkit on eight ways to triple your cold call connects in the show notes. Your Zoom Info actionable insight tactic is called Jane's Moving Up. Why? Because that's the email subject line you'll use when you get a real-time notice that your prospect Jane just got promoted. From there in the email, explain how ZoomInfo helps rising sales leaders win their first 90 days on the job by highlighting coaching opportunities or supporting a team-wide prospecting push. And you can try out this trigger-based email template for prospect promotion and four other scenarios inspired by ZoomInfo's go-to-market plays. Link in the show notes. Then you can DM them one by one, and that's how you multi-thread a deal. Nick. Where can people help us out today? 
Well, I would love it if the listener would do a pilot of subscribing to 30 Minutes to Presidents Club. If you're listening to the show and you haven't subscribed, would you please do it? Because it helps me and Armand out and it ensures that you actually hear from us every week, which I don't know, maybe you don't want. But give the subscription button a, a, a click, pilot us, and we'll catch you all next week on 30 Minutes to Presidents Club. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. Obsessive checking of your inbox is a total waste of time and brain power. Instead, commit to checking your inbox and responding to email at set times throughout the day. I'm a fan of Boomerang's pause inbox function to keep myself from getting distracted by my inbox. Now, we documented our best templates and tools to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang, and you can get that for free at the link in the show notes. Today's show is brought to you by Exactly Forecasting, which is a flexible sales forecasting solution that uses AI and data to help you call an accurate sales forecast. Gartner says over half of sales leaders don't have high confidence in their forecast. One way we recommend to improve your forecast is to align as a team on explicit attributes that must be true in order to deem a deal forecastable. That way your forecast will get clearer and the team will know where to focus efforts. We put together a forecasting 101 guide with our friends at Exactly. Get it for free in the show notes.